our top stories tonight. The NFL draft is about to be underway. I will be there. The Podfather will be there. The entire crew at Player Profiler will be there. And you will be alongside us paying attention, following along with all the news. But before we get to that, we've got to talk about these players. We've got to rank and realize how valuable these players can be in fantasy football. All that and much, much more on Player Profiler today. Happy to have friends such as Dustin Brown and the Harry Snowman tuning in live. Always a pleasure when our friends can tune in live. And always happy to have you tune in after the fact. Appreciate every single one of you out there. But let's get to it. Let's talk about this rookie class. And I know most of you who have been listening for a while, none of this will come as a surprise. None of you who listen to Player Profiler will be shocked by my personal rankings, because you pay attention. You know who is good, who is bad. And so that is why I have my rankings. And we'll see if you're surprised by any of them. But Anthony Richardson, QB1. For me, it's Richardson. The upside that he offers, the rushing ability, is just far too great. You can't beat it with Anthony Richardson. The Konami code upside of Anthony Richardson makes him the most valuable fantasy quarterback in this draft class. And the upside is exactly why Will Levis is QB2 for me. And really, it's a tier. There is the difference makers in Anthony Richardson and Will Levis up at the top. And then it's a teardrop down to CJ Stroud and to Bryce Young. And then it's another teardrop down to Hendon Hooker. And that's because CJ Stroud, I believe has more rushing ability than we've given him credit for because he played at Ohio state because he had an elite offensive line and because he had even eliter wide receivers. But I think he can do it in the sense that Joe Burrow can do it. Stroud will be five carries a game or less. And if he hits that five carries a game, then he's got even more upside than we imagine. but there's a good chance he's more in that, three carry a game range and Bryce Young he's going to get what 1.2 carries a game including kneel downs they are not going to run Bryce Young at all and Bryce Young should not be scrambling at all and that is why it's Richardson Levis Stroud Young and then Hendon Hooker another drop off because of what rushing offers us in today's NFL the ability to Add six points on the goal line with a carry is just too great. And the difference, the two-point difference between rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns just makes it so much harder to make up these points when you're facing off against a Jalen Hurts, a Josh Allen. You have to have Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow type passing numbers every year. And that's hard to do. That is something I don't see CJ Stroud doing. That is not something I see Bryce Young doing. I think they'll have a lot of QB2 seasons. Occasionally, they're going to have a QB1 season. But it's just not as sexy. And it's not as league-changing as Anthony Richardson and Will Levis can be. Wait, they aren't going to run the Jalen Hurts offense with Bryce Young, but can he be a Doug Flutie? He can. I, I don't think he's a Doug Flutie. Flutie was very 
I don't know. He just had that magic quality to move around the pocket. And Bryce Young has been pretty good at that in his college career. But I don't know. There's something more comical. That's not the word. There's something more video game like something more cartoonish when it came to Doug Flutie, whereas Bryce Young. I don't know. I. I just don't see it. And then Hendon Hooker got to get to him. I am a big fan of Hendon Hooker. I think there will be five starting quarterbacks in the NFL from this draft. And that is phenomenal. I was talking to some friends the other day who aren't into the football world and they're asking, there's that four quarterbacks in the first round. That seems like a lot, isn't it? Yup. I know we don't have the high end. We don't have a Justin Herbert, a Joe Burrow, a Justin Fields, a Trevor Lawrence, but this is such a strong draft class at the quarterback position. The fact that we're going to get five NFL starters, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and Hendon Hooker, all five will be NFL starters. That is incredible. That is not something that happens. Even last year, we got, I think everyone did start a game, but they're not NFL starters. Pickett's an NFL starter. Maybe Sam Howell is. Desmond Ritter could be. Malik Willis. Very different. Very different classes. And at running back, we know how this goes, right? If I were to say anyone but B. John Robinson, I would be laughed out the building. You can't argue. B. John Robinson, RB1. Undisputably RB1. There is no, there's no arguing. There is no sense of complaining, of disagreeing. It's Bijan 101. Argue with my cat if you disagree. And she is a very firm arguer. So I don't think you'll be getting anywhere with her. Bijan 101. Bijan RB1. And then after that, I think it's a tier of three. And right now, I do have Jameer Gibbs as RB2. And I know some people aren't in love. With Jameer Gibbs, some people worry about the fact that he is sub 200 pounds or 200-ish pounds and the fact that he's not going to be involved on the goal line. But Jameer Gibbs is where the NFL is heading. A player that can make a difference in the passing game like an Austin Eckler, like a James White back in the day. See, even on the low end of outcomes for Jameer Gibbs, if he is a James White caliber player. That's okay. That is valuable in fantasy football. That can produce RB1 type seasons. And Jameer Gibbs is a hell of a lot better athlete than James White ever was. He is a lot closer to an Austin Eckler caliber. And I know people will say, well, how often do those 200-ish pound players end up hitting at the running back position? We get Christian McCaffrey, who's an outlier, because he was selected in the first round. And then we have Darren Sproles, who is an outlier because he's undrafted, and Austin Eckler, outlier because he's undrafted. But Jameer Gibbs is going to end up in round one, more than likely. I think he's going to go to the Cincinnati Bengals in round one. He is the favorite, or they are the co-favorites, Bengals and Cowboys. But anyways, until we get a devastating landing spot, Jameer Gibbs is locked in as my RB2. But... He could fall. He could fall behind Zach Charbonnet, and he could fall behind Roshan Johnson. At this point, I have Roshan as RB3. Uh, or sorry, I have Zach Charbonnet 
as RB3 ahead of Roshan because I believe the NFL values Charbonnet more than they value Roshan. And because of that, Charbonnet is going to get drafted a little bit higher. But being drafted a little bit higher and being more coveted by the NFL, Zach Charbonnet could end up in a bad situation. Charbonnet could end up somewhere like the New York Giants with a plan in place that, hey, you are the guy next year. But this year, you're just Saquon's backup. But we need a running back, and you're it for the future. Whereas Roshan, maybe that could happen. But it feels more likely that when Roshan is drafted, it's to a team with a need as a pass-catching back, as a third-down back, or even a full starter is what Roshan Johnson can be. So for now, it's Bijan, Tier, Jameer Gibbs, Zach Charbonnet, and Roshan. But based on landing spot, I'm happy to flip any of those guys. And then at RB5, this is another one. RB5 versus RB6, Kendra Miller versus Israel Abanakanda. This one for me, again, is going to come down to landing spot and draft capital because even though we don't have the testing numbers on Kendra Miller, I truly believe that we are going to get, sorry, I truly believe that he is a star athlete. I think that Kendra Miller would have shown out at the Combine or his pro day were he healthy enough to participate. But that's okay, because I believe the NFL knows that too. They have access to all of these advanced metrics, all of the trackers in the GPS. They know how fast these players are running at their top speed, which is why I think Kendra Miller is going to get drafted ahead of Israel Abanacanda. I am a big fan of Abanacanda, but we've heard whispers that the NFL might not be. But when it comes to Kendra Miller, I would be shocked if the NFL was out on him. And I truly envision Kendra Miller not having to change his colors. He stays in purple going to the Minnesota Vikings. He can be brought along slowly. Alexander Madison can be the bell cow for the first three, four weeks while Kendra Miller acclimatizes. And then round week eight, Kendra Miller bell cow is very much in play if that is a situation. But Israel Abana Canada has that same upsize as a 220-pound running back that runs. We've got him at 4-5 in the database. This is one that was unfortunate for Israel Abana Canada. It was reported he ran sub 4-4. Initially, we accepted those reports. 4-3-9 is what we gave him at the pro day, so that would go to a 4-4-4. But... Draft Scout updated. They gave him a 4-4-5 at the pro day, which means we officially have Israel Banakanda as a 4-5 flat, which is not as special. And why I believe Kendra Miller will ultimately be more valuable than Israel Banakanda. But I think for me, the top six is locked in unless someone gets shockingly horrible draft capital. Maybe a Sean Tucker gets good draft capital but I don't see myself moving Sean Tucker or Zach Evans or any of those guys ahead of this, this crew. I think those six locked in to recap Bijan tier of his own Jameer Gibbs, Zach Charbonnet, Roshan Johnson in a tier of their own. And then Kendra Miller and Israel Abanacanda one tier below that. But 
enough from me. I know you are all here to see the Podfather as well. So let's just have a little sneak peek, a little conversation with the Podfather. Now, I know many of you are looking for a secret weapon for your Dynasty League, and I have it. It's called the Dynasty Dominator app. You go to the App Store, go to Google Play. It's right there. It's $5 to download, and then every year it's $5 to load the next incoming class of rookies. You can add Superflex, add Titan Premium. It's incredible because it allows you to look up players. It allows you to vote on whether a player is a buy, hold, or sell, and then see the market sentiment on that player. And you can compare their lifetime value rating from Player Profiler to their Dynasty ADP at the FFPC, all in the price lookup tool. And beyond that, we have a trade analyzer. So you'll never lose another Dynasty trade again. And in our settings, you can set, this is a win now team, this is a rebuilding team. And then we let you compare players. Look at their metrics side by side. Prospect metrics, NFL metrics. It's all there. It's five bucks in the app store. There's some add-ons for Superflex and to buy the upcoming rookie class. Every year, you're going to spend $5 on this thing. And it's going to be well worth it. A note from the Harry Snowman Gibbs is looking like he may be headed to Dallas, assuming Philadelphia drafts Bijan. It is either the Dallas Cowboys or the Cincinnati Bengals that are the co-favorites to draft Jameer Gibbs, but we will get to that later. Bears have brought in Zach C. He was the only RB they spend a 30 visit on. Not sure he falls to the end of the second. I don't think he does either. I think that because I believe that Jameer Gibbs goes round one to the Bengals, I necessarily believe that Charbonnet is going to go early round two. Greed on Gibbs, not an ideal compliment in Dallas. It would not be great, but we have heard those conversations that they could be looking for a replacement for Tony Pollard for next year. And the pass catching back that Jameer Gibbs is could do that. I've also heard Devon A-Chain for the same reasons. Roshan Johnson or Miller is what I was reading about Dallas. Whoo! Well, I would hate both of those for Tony Pollard, but I would love both of those for Roshan Johnson and for Kendra Miller. But now on to wide receivers. Of course, it's Jackson Smith in Jigba. He is in a tier by himself. And then at two, I have Zay Flowers. Player profiler has Jordan Addison ahead of Zay Flowers. I'm going with Zay. I think the explosiveness that he offers, the run after catch ability and deep threat ab ability from Zay Flowers, plus the fact that I think he could even be a target monster. So he really has it all. He has the big play. He has the target upside and he has the run after catch. Whereas with Jordan Addison, I believe he can command a lot of targets in the NFL. But he doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the big play ability that Zay Flowers does. But that's why it's Zay, it's JSN, Tier 1, Tier 2, Zay Flowers, and Jordan Addison. And then after that, I've got Quinton Johnston and Marvin Mims in a tier of their own at 5. 4-5, I suppose. But I... I'm tempted to put Marvin Mims ahead of Quentin Johnson based on landing spot. The Podfather and Billy got it in my head earlier today that Marvin Mims going to the Detroit Lions in round two. And if that happens, I will be uncontrollably in on Marvin Mims. He will pass Quentin Johnson as the wide receiver four. Might even pass Jordan Addison as the wide receiver three based on landing spot. Marvin Mims, truly underrated profile. I can't remember who it was that did the work, 
I apologize for not citing my sources, but Marvin Mims had an elite profile in terms of production during his time at Oklahoma. And he's an early declare love Marvin Mims. And there's a decent amount of guys in this class that I'm actually all right on. I think Trey Palmer could honestly end up as wide receiver six in this class. I could put him ahead of Josh Downs could put him ahead of Jonathan Mingo. I have him ahead of Jaden Reed. I have him ahead of Rashi Rice and Cedric Tillman. Really, really love Trey Palmer. Maybe the NFL doesn't love him as much as I do, and then he'll be knocked down a bit. But for now, who I'm excited about Trey Palmer. Josh Downs could be productive in the NFL. He's more of a situation-type player in the slot, but the NFL is trending to smaller and smaller wide receivers, which makes Mingo and Cedric Tillman attractive, but... It's an interesting class. It really is. We've got the big three of JSN, Zay Flowers, and Jordan Addison. A lot of people want to put Quentin Johnston in there as well. I don't think I'm there anymore. And Marvin Mims and Trey Palmer, just speed freaks as well. And then at tight end, like 32% exposure on underdog. Well done, who got snacks. I am a big fan of that exposure to Marvin Mims. Mid first round, Jack. Do you gamble on tier two, three RBs or draft Addison or flowers? Well, um, I would go Zay. Oh, so based on tier two, that's Charbonnet and Roshan. So here, here's how I would have it. I would have uh, Jameer Gibbs, Charbonnet, Zay. Addison and Roshan is the toss up between those two. But I w- would have Zay ahead of Roshan. Roshan versus Addison is the question mark. And then I would also take Addison over Kendra Miller and Abanacanda. Hope that helped. Hope that answered your question. At tight end, Dalton Kincaid is my number one. And my number two is Luke Musgrave. I have Michael Mayer down at three just because I think Michael Mayer is going to end up blocking a lot in the NFL. Much like Darnell Washington, which is why I don't have Darnell Washington inside my top five. I think... They're going to be on, Michael Mayer is going to be on the field every down, just like Cole Komet. And that's who I see. I see Cole Komet in Michael Mayer. And I'm just not in on Cole Komet. I think Michael Mayer is objectively going to be the best real life NFL tight end out of this class. And I don't think that will be disputable. But in terms of fantasy football, I think Michael Mayer doesn't have the juice to get to that tight end one tier. And we're all about upside on player profiler today and player profiler in general. And sorry, I should clarify tier one, tier one tight end is Kelsey, but you know what I mean? That next tier with Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard and Darren Waller used to be in it. George Kittle is in it. Sometimes I don't see Michael Mayer getting there. Whereas Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, with the athletic profiles, I think there's a far greater chance of either of them becoming the next Dallas Goddard than it is for Michael Mayer. And then at four, I have Sam Laporta. I like Sam Laporta. He is a little bit smaller, which will hurt his chances of getting on the field. And then at five, I really, really like Tucker Craft. Cody got me completely in on Craft. The guy, what are the odds that he goes to the same school as Dallas Goddard and could be the next Dallas Goddard in this class. He's not going to go round two 
more than likely. But if Dallas or if Tucker Craft goes day two at all, whoo, look out. Darnell Washington, a lot of teams view him as an offensive tackle. And so even if he goes to a team that views him as a receiving tight end, I think he's going to end up blocking quite a bit. The most recent comparison that I read that I loved was CJ Uzama. You can check that article out on playerprofiler.com. Neil Dutton wrote it for us. Fantastic article. But CJ Uzama in his NFL career has almost split down the middle in terms of routes run versus blocking, pass blocking snaps. And that is not ideal for fantasy football production, which is why I'm just not in on Darnell Washington. Komet does not hold a candle to Meyer, but tight end can be destroyed by poor coaching. Example, Pitts, this is why you can never take a tight end in round one. I absolutely agree with that as well. Moving on to some updates on the NFL draft. Will Levis is officially the favorite to go first overall. And he is so much the, or not first overall, sorry. Will Levis is so much the favorite to go second overall that the odds are now minus. Minus 120 for Will Levis to go second overall. The only question is, is that Will Levis to the Texans? Or have they worked out a deal where someone is going to trade up for Will Levis? Someone like the Raiders, someone like the Falcons, someone like the Buccaneers, someone like the Titans. Or could it just be the Texans? Other moves across the top 10. Not a whole lot. We talked about it yesterday. It's still Bryce Young at one. It's Levis at two, but even more certainty at three. It's either Tyree Wilson or CJ Stroud. And the biggest change is not that Tyree Wilson is co-favorites at two. No, the big change is that Tyree Wilson is now the favorite to be the first defensive player drafted. And he has negative odds at this point. Minus 145 for Tyree Wilson to be the first defender off the board. Plus 125 for Will Anderson. So it's not a massive difference but it's a big enough difference and it's a big enough swing that it looks like someone's making the mistake passing on will anderson for tyree wilson and then jalen carter plus 2000 that is wild for the consensus best player in the draft plus 2000 yeesh might it might be willing to sprinkle some action on that Looking at some of the other favorites, though, and some of the other bets we have online that uh, FanDuel has provided for us, Jackson Smith in Jigba is the favorite to go to the Texans. Or sorry, the Texans are the favorite team to draft Jackson Smith in Jigba plus 450 Packers and Patriots plus 500. So they're not far off either, but it will be the Texans' decision picking at 12th overall. Packers and Patriots 14th and 15th. And then it's the Bears, the Giants, the Titans plus 1400. JSN could go anywhere, but right now it is trending that he will be the wide receiver one for Will Levis. I don't know. Davis Mills. I don't know. He'll be the wide receiver one for someone. And Jameer Gibbs, the favorites to draft him at this point. Bengals, Cowboys plus 700. The Cardinals, the Bills, and the Patriots still in there at plus 1,000. But I'm really hoping it's the Bengals. I really, really want to see Jameer Gibbs with Joe Burrow become what we hoped. See, or not what we hoped. We knew CH would never become that. But what 
the public thought CEH could be in the NFL. Now Joe Burrow gets an actual elite pass catching back out of college. Perfect. Moving on to some updates around the NFL. Aaron Rodgers, the trade between Aaron Rodgers, or sorry, the trade for Aaron Rodgers between the Jets and the Packers is back on. The two sides are finally talking again. They spent weeks just not speaking to each other, and it's back. And I wonder if this has something to do with the report that came out earlier today that Ryan Tannehill is available. Because that swings the leverage back in the Jets side where they say, look, Packers, if you don't keep, if you don't stop screwing us around here, if you don't actually negotiate in good faith because we're not giving you our first rounder this year, if you don't F off, then we'll go and get Ryan Tannehill. Because at some point we're going to have to make a decision and you'll be stuck with Aaron Rodgers. You'll have Aaron Rodgers in training camp with Jordan Love because you can't trade with us anymore. So I wonder if that has motivated the Packers to get back to the negotiating table just ahead of the draft. I think that this trade will happen either during the NFL draft on Thursday or just after before the second round kicks off because the Jets have two picks in the second round. And I believe at least one of them will be going to the Packers in the next year, probably a conditional second that can become a first if Aaron Rodgers stays another year or if they win the Super Bowl, however they want to do it. But a second this year, a conditional second next year seems most likely. But for Ryan Tannehill, the Titans got to move on. They really do. They have to be as bad as possible. Now, it has come out that maybe Akbar uh, Biagia was not in the loop on the Derrick Henry trade, but I still, I don't know. I find it hard to believe that he just completely made it up out of thin air. So maybe there's nothing imminent, but I still think there's something there. But that would be a good move for the Titans because then they would save $6.3 million by getting rid of Derrick Henry. And by getting rid of Ryan Tannehill, they would save $17.8 million or if they wait until after June 1st to trade Ryan Tannehill or to cut Ryan Tannehill, Titans save $27 million. And if the Titans are being real with themselves, they're not a good team. They don't have room for Ryan Tannehill because Ryan Tannehill, he's going to win them some games they shouldn't win. Whereas you put Malik Willis out there, you let him sink or swim it either happens and he wins you some games you shouldn't and you have qb1 or you bottom out and speaking of bottoming out i'm starting to wonder what's gonna happen for the new york giants saquon barkley was interviewed today he's not worried about his contract says it's april they've got a lot of time to work this out whatever happens happens but then we also hear that Odori Jackson, cornerback one of the New York Giants, they have not negotiated at all on a contract extension. He'll be a free, free agent after this year. And I'm just I'm starting to wonder if the Giants let Saquon Barkley walk and they let Odori Jackson walk, that's two premium assets that they're just letting walk out the door. And granted, they could get a third round compensatory back, a fourth or a fifth. I don't know what it would be, but they could get a compensatory pick back. But 
what happens if these players leave and what happens if Daniel Jones does not have the season that we expect based on the $40 million contract. If Daniel Jones disappoints this year and then Saquon Barkley walks, remember this is New York. This is the New York media. I know that Brian Dable is the love of New York's life right now, but if they have a rough season and then they start losing some players and they're still tied to Daniel Jones for another year, the New York market could turn on Brian Dable just like that. 